What's up, you guys? Welcome to Talk Bookish to Me, the podcast where readers gather to talk about books, share recommendations, and chase that five-star feeling. I'm your host, Gwen, and today I'm joined by Sav from Riveting Reads on YouTube for the last book discussion of the year. Don't worry, there's still tons of great episodes left this season, and I'll be back with four new book discussions in 2023. Today, though, we're going to be chatting about Just Like Mother by Anne Heltzel. The beginning of the episode will be spoiler-free, as always, and I will give a spoiler warning before we really start digging in with details. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be here on this podcast with Gwen. And my name is Sav, and I have a booktube channel called Riveting Reads, where I talk all things thriller and horror books. Those are the primary genres I love. Um, And I also have an Instagram, riveting.reads, and a Goodreads where I do reviews as well. You also have a book club. You want to go ahead and talk about that for a second? Yes, I should. Yes, I have a book club as well. It's called the Lights Out Book Club, and we meet monthly and discuss a horror or thriller book as well. So my Instagram for Lights Out Book Club is just called Lights Out Book Club. Okay, and I'm going to have all of that information linked in the show notes so everybody can find you because I know a lot of my listeners love thrillers, love horror, so if they aren't following you... They need to be, so oh, I'm going to have you. all of your information linked. I want to give a huge shout out to all of my night owls. They've been so supportive, and it's been super fun getting to know them. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm talking about my patrons. That's right, you too can become a night owl. I'd love to have you join. Patreon allows you to become an active participant in this podcast community by offering you a monthly membership. It's $5 a month, and as soon as you join, you gain instant access to over 100, probably over 200 exclusive posts. It's so much fun and the community is just thriving. There's so much happening behind the scenes stuff, reading vlogs, printable recipe cards, polls you can vote on. I literally offer so much, you guys, but if you're looking for a tight knit, growing bookish community, check it out. The link is in the show notes. Today though, Just Like Mother, this released May 17th, 2022, and I actually ran across this online somewhere last year in 2021, and I knew right away I wanted to read it for the podcast. The cover alone, I was like, yes. (laughs) And then once you were on board, I was like, yes, we're doing this book discussion together. I wrote you into reading it with me, and I can't wait to hear what you thought. Yes, as soon as you asked me about this one, I was very excited because like you said, the cover is so creepy. Anything with a creepy doll just immediately draws me in because that's one of my favorite horror tropes. The last time Maeve saw her cousin was the night she escaped the cult they were raised in. For the past two decades, Maeve has worked hard to build a normal life in New York City where she keeps everything and everyone at a safe distance. When Andrea suddenly reappears, Maeve regains the only true friend she's ever had. Soon she's spending more time at Andrea's remote Catskills escape than in her cramped apartment. Maeve doesn't even mind that her cousin's wealthy work friends clearly disapprove of her single lifestyle. After all, Andrea has made her fortune in the fertility industry. Baby fever comes with the territory. The more Maeve immerses herself in Andrea's world, the more disconnected she feels from her life back in the city. 
and the cousin's increasing attachment triggers memories Maeve has fought hard to bury. But confronting the terrors of her childhood may be the only way for Maeve to transcend the nightmare still to come. In addition to Just Like Mother, Anne Heltzel has written and ghostwritten nearly a dozen other books for people of all ages under many pseudonyms. She moved to New York City in 2006 to enter an MFA program at the New School, and from there she got her first job in publishing at a literary agency. Now, in addition to writing books, she works as an editorial director at Abrams Books, where she specializes in entertainment publishing and content development in the children's division. She recently relocated from Brooklyn to an old house in the Hudson Valley with her partner, who is also a horror writer. I'm so curious who she's ghostwritten for, but I do know that she has at least two other books, Circle Nine and Charlie Presumed Dead. Have you read either of these by her? And will you read any of her future releases based on your experience with Just Like Mother? So I haven't read anything else by her, but I'll definitely be picking up what she puts out next because I really liked how dark this book went and I would definitely like to see what she writes next. Yeah, I definitely will be keeping um, this author on my radar moving forward. Her other books are geared towards um, children and young adults, so I won't be checking them out as I've like moved on from that. Um, but like you said, it got dark, and I really loved that about it. And as this being her adult debut, I was pleasantly surprised. So would you compare just like mother to anything else like if there's another book like if they've read this and they're looking for something similar or they've read something else and they want to say like this one is similar you know that sort of thing any comparisons right so I think that if you would like a book with cult vibes I would recommend The Last Housewife by Ashley Winstead it has a lot of cult vibes in that one but just kind of dealing with babies and this motherhood premise, I would say the show actually Servant, which is on Apple TV, reminded me a lot of this. And I really love that show. It's so easy to watch and binge. Really, really short episodes. I think they're like 20 minutes long and it just really hooks you. So I'd recommend that if you like this story. I watched the trailer for that and it creeped me out. I was like, this is a perfect recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I literally only subscribe to Apple TV when that show comes out. So it comes out once a year and I just, my husband and I love it. So we'll hop on, we'll subscribe for like, you know, a couple of months while it's coming out and then we'll just stop our subscription because there's not really anything else on there we're interested in, but it's really good. So if you're interested in watching like a movie with a creepy doll, I would suggest The Boy and that's the first movie. And then there's Brahms, The Boy too. So if you like the creepy doll setting or the creepy doll element, I should say maybe that's a good recommendation because I recently watched those for the first time and it was creepy. <laughs> I recently rewatched The Boy as well and I need to go and see the sequel because I remembered really liking it and the whole creepy doll element worked and the location in the movie was so nice. It was so atmospheric. So I agree. I didn't think about that. If you're looking for something with like cultish vibes, this one to me, like just like Mother was not like super strong cultish. It was kind of like, 
in the background for the most part, I'll say. Um, and I felt the same way with The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell. It wasn't a huge part of the plot, but it was kind of like the background of it. And I know that the sequel just released um, called The Family Remains. I haven't read that one yet. Not sure if I'm going to, but I think that's a good recommendation. All right, so what about the characters? Were there any characters you specifically liked or disliked? Yeah, so I definitely was rooting for Maeve the whole time. I really disliked Andrea from the very beginning. The second I met her, I just knew something was off because of the way she talked it the way she acted about her past and not wanting to talk about it, it seemed like a red flag just in her mannerisms of how she didn't want to talk about it. I didn't feel any strong like or dislike for most of the other characters, actually, because I felt like I didn't get to know them super well. They were a little two dimensional and I felt like this book was more plot driven. So I really only got to know Maeve the most, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree about it being a plot-driven story. I definitely did talk about that a lot, and I actually prefer those stories. Um, I know some people, like, messaged me, and they were like, I hate Maeve. And I think that's just because, like, we as the reader could so easily see her being manipulated. We're like, girl, (laughs) open your eyes. Um, Yeah, I was rooting for her, but I didn't think she was very smart. And like you said, I think it was more about the plot than the characters. So I didn't really like attach to any of the characters per se. What about the setting? Now, it was set kind of in New York City and the Catskills estate. um, And it felt very isolated. What did you think about that? I really enjoyed the isolated setting. I That's one of my favorite tropes in books when there's a cool isolated setting, but I wish she would have leaned into the setting just a little bit more throughout the whole entire book because I love the creepy hidden passages and I loved hearing about the scary dolls and that kind of eerie vibe, but I felt like it could have been even more in the book throughout Definitely. 100%. Like everything you said. Um, I don't think like the geographical locations played like much into it. Um, But I loved imagining Andrea's unfinished estate with the hidden passages and the terrible plumbing and all the creepy (laughs) dolls. Um, In chapter four, there's a quote that says the house felt smaller on the inside than it appeared on the outside or at least that's how it felt as I unpacked my things in the small tower room on the second floor the only room with twin beds as far as I could tell to be fair much of the house was closed off not yet furnished and anyway the window in my little room offered an extraordinary view of the mountains the endless rolling expanse of trees which made me feel immediately more at peace so I loved that imagery but I feel like that's all we got (laughs) um and then when she came back to the estate later when she actually started staying there for a period of time she was in a totally different bedroom like in a totally different wing of the house and I was just like well tell us more about this unfurnished house and like like you said the passageways like it basically was only in the book twice like once at the beginning and like once towards the end and it's like so much stuff could have happened (laughs) you know yeah so I feel like there could have even been something where she was exploring the house and saw warning signs. Like, you know, maybe there's a scrapbook or something with 
pictures of the mothers or something like that. I don't know. I, I felt like that could have been played into a little bit or she could have gotten absolutely physical like a photo evidence. album. Right. Yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, listeners, if you haven't read the book or you haven't finished the book yet, this is the time where I'd like to encourage you to close out today's episode and come back to listen when you've read the book. Moving forward, we're going to be discussing things more in detail and it will contain spoilers. You've been warned we're going into it first I want to start with the signature cocktail I knew she was pregnant right away like I knew that's what they were doing I was like as soon as she he said that he was fixing her a smooth a smoothie on the daily it was on page 66 the very beginning of chapter 17 yeah. a week passed maybe two they were slow and foggy their passage was marked by routine Rob delivered me a smoothie each morning I'm like girl babe what are you doing so I had, even though I usually pick like an alcoholic cocktail, yeah. I could not for this one. I was like, I'm going superfood smoothie. I love that. it's like <laughs> the most nutrient dense smoothie I've ever come across. It's delicious. It's full of like fruits, greens, healthy fats. It will hit the spot. And yes, it's great for pregnancy too, which is why I picked it. <laughs> so to make this smoothie, you just throw it all in a blender and like blend it up. But it has one organic banana, one and a half cups of frozen um, berries. You can pick whatever kind of berries you like um one generous serving of organic greens two tablespoons of organic virgin coconut oil two tablespoons of organic flax hemp seed and six to eight ounces of unsweetened vanilla almond milk of course you can substitute the milk and use whatever you want and like i said throw it all in a blender and you're good to go now i will be sharing the full recipe over on my instagram and my patrons do get a printable recipe so if you want to join patreon you get that as well but i thought that was so fitting i was like i have to do a smoothie that's perfect. And you know what? I'm looking at all this and I'm like, I think I have all these ingredients. So I'll have to make it. I know. I was like, it's so simple. It's so delicious. And it's yeah. so good for you. Oh, <laughs> so I need it. I thought it was perfect. Um, okay. So now diving into the book, what did you think about the prologue and the first chapter? So the prologue, I liked how immediately the reader's thrown into a very unsettling scene from the very beginning. And it felt very disorienting to me. I felt like I was disoriented along with the main character because she was just a child and couldn't fully process what was going on in her situation. And it really just put the reader in her position. And the vagueness made it much creepier. I liked how there was this rhyme that kind of was put throughout the prologue. So it was a sailor went to CCC and then it would be, you know, later in the chapter and keep coming back. And I find children's rhymes and songs just so creepy in movies. I don't hear them a ton in books, but there have been a few. But I just really was intrigued from the setup of the first chapter. And I knew I wanted to know what was going on immediately. Yeah, at first, like you, I was like very confused because of all the mothers. And then they referred to the boy as boy. And I was actually, mm -hmm. I started this book when I first started reading it. I was doing some reading sprints. And I like read like, I think like 12 pages. And then I had to go back because I was like, mother this and mother that. So it had like mother with the lazy eye, mother with the red hair and chipped tooth, mother with the blonde hair to her waist. And then of course, boy. And I was like, why do they keep describing what's going on? Because I did, you know, I don't like to read like the full synopsis of books all the time. So I knew it had cultish vibes, but I didn't know it was like this motherhood. <laughs> like, cult. Yeah. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is <laughs> happening? 
Um, but I thought that the prologue was really creepy and it set the stage really well. And then the first chapter, of course, it's many years later and we're finding more about May in the present. And I thought it did a really good job of like summing things up without being like info dumpy or like bogging down the reader with too much information all at once. Um, as far as the pacing and the plot, uh, the pacing was average to me. I, I typically like like faster paced books, but it wasn't necessarily fast paced, but it wasn't slow either. Um, I was definitely like super intrigued by the story. So I read the majority of the book in one day. Um, I picked up on all the manipulation as it was happening. And of course, May was much slower to realize <laughs> things that were happening. So I was along for the ride and waiting to see how everything played out and how long it would take for her to figure out what was going on going on. I definitely agree the pacing was pretty average. I felt like there were times where it was a little slower, it lagged a little bit, but I was never tempted to DNF it. And you know, that happens to me a lot if a book is slower paced. So I wasn't tempted. So I I agree. I think it was medium. Um, and I was intrigued throughout the whole story. I needed to know what would pan out, even though I had a pretty good idea of definitely the direction things were going. I still wanted to see if I was right and see how it ended. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And it was a shorter book too. Yeah. So I liked that even though it was like an Me average too. pace. I was like, I appreciate a good short book. So, um, so there's two parts to the story. We have what happened in the past and what is happening currently. And the past when May and Andrea were young, they were in a cult called the Mother Collective. And we don't get too much of that timeline, but we do get glimpses, like as the story unfolds. The majority of the story is once May and Andrea reconnect, like all these years later, because May searched for Andrea for many years after her escape, including submitting DNA to one of those like DNA websites. And initially she was unsuccessful. And then one day she receives the email with like new DNA relatives and they message one another and the reunion like goes from there um, things really kick off when Andrea invites May to her estate for the first time and she asks her this impossible question and at first like so I do reading vlogs for my patrons of reading the book but I also don't want to spoil it so I try to keep it spoiler free yeah. for them and I also want them to tune into the episode too so I try not to spill all the beans um but like I was like this impossible question you kind of have to know what the question is or you're kind of like what's the impossible question it could be anything you know right um so long story short Andrea can't have another baby so she asks May to give her one of her eggs. I, when I read that, I was livid for her. <laughs> I would see. So I'm infertile. I can't have children of my own. Yeah. And like, I can't even imagine asking someone in my family to give me one of their eggs. <laughs> yeah, that's just wild. Like, <laughs> so then the thing is that she does offer her a half a million in exchange and then of course May refuses and she ups the amount to one million dollars yet 
May still refuses. So then I'm like, a million dollars. Maybe, maybe I would. <laughs> I don't know. But still, like, she refuses and there's reasons for it. And Andrea is pissed, y'all. But after May returns to the city, uh, the city and Andrea has time to cool down, or should I say she comes up with a plan B, yeah. she reaches back out to May to apologize. And then it's like manipulation from there. I really enjoy when books have two parts. So you know, chapters in the past and then in the present. And I enjoy when information is slowly revealed throughout the book and flashbacks to the past. And I think this keeps me interested in how the present relates to the past the whole time. And I think this book was really plot driven, like we mentioned before, and that the characters weren't super fleshed out. I think another reason why I felt a little detached from the characters, as I mentioned before, is because they were all behaving really strangely. And there weren't a ton of scenes with all the characters together, I realized. And I agree also, the manipulation was super obvious to me from the second it was starting. So in that way, this book didn't surprise me plot-wise where it went, like some thrillers do. And I, I thought it was pretty predictable, but I still wanted to see what would happen. And there were a few plot twists that did surprise me in it. Yeah, I definitely think it had some tricks up its sleeves, but I think it's almost, have you read um, The Maid by Nita Prose? Yes. That, yes. It was like that in a way where mm -hmm. it's like, as the reader, you're like, hello, hello, right. when are you going to realize what's happening? And you just want right. to like fight for them, like open up your eyes. But yeah, so it kind of reminded me of that book as far as the reader knows exactly what's going on. You're just waiting for the character to figure out what's going on. So yeah. now let's talk about the writing and discuss some of the themes and the topics explored. I really enjoyed the writing. I, I didn't think it was like super flowery or like poetry or anything like that. I thought it was like very straightforward. And that's kind of how I like my books to be. Um, I enjoyed the themes and the topics of motherhood, having or not having children. There were so many passages and quotes that stuck out to me. As a woman who was unable to get pregnant, I have come to terms with my infertility, but that doesn't make it any easier when society expects certain things. I will say I think younger generations are more aware and sympathetic, and I think that has a lot to do with women speaking out about their experiences with infertility. But there are still those occasions that I feel like it comes up in conversations and stuff like that. Um, let me share a few quotes because May was single, kind of screwing around with one guy um, back in the city, Ryan, the bartender, but she didn't have kids and was focusing on her career and happy with her life for the most part, whereas Andrea and Emily were the complete opposite. All right, so I'm going to start on page, what is it, 65. The first one is, what else is there really besides motherhood, Emily? was asking rhetorically like what is the point of anything else she went on motioning theatrically with her water glass and I'm like there's a lot <laughs> there's a that lot was, actually yeah that was hard to read it that because I know people feel like this certain people and it's oh, really sad absolutely. that that's how they feel and that yeah. society would make them feel like that like you were absolutely. saying it's terrible yeah, you've got loads of time, she told me, smiling generously. A woman from my book club got pregnant at 42. <laughs> I'm like, see, yeah. me and my husband are older. My husband is 10 years older than me, so we do get that a lot. They're like, it's never too late. It's never I too late. I can't believe. It's like, Ugh. it's not about your age, honey. Right. <laughs> it's not about your age. No. Is that comment usually from older people? Yes. Like in, in yes. like very much yes. older generations? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's just, and that's what yeah. I was saying. Like, I feel like the younger generations get it. 
Right. But the older generations just don't get it about a lot of things. This isn't the only issue. <laughs> you know, there's tons of issues. It seems like they don't, they haven't right. caught up with right. the current standards for some reason. Moving on to page 66, um, I wouldn't say loads of time Micah contributed what he asked raising both hands in the air don't shoot the messenger it's just a fact that 90 percent of your eggs are gone by age 30. you still look great though he assured me you won't have any trouble finding a partner unless you Ugh. have some skeletons in your closet you haven't mentioned he laughed like it was the most hilarious thing in the world um i tasted something sour in the back of my throat actually i said quietly i don't want to have children why won't this conversation end? I was Literally. like, exactly, exactly. For women, it's it's still our bodies, guys. We we some of us do want to have children and right. can't, and some of us don't want to have children. Like, just leave us alone. It's not really anybody's business. Yeah, even if it is family or your best friend, or it's not your business. I think the biggest thing about all of this. It just life in general is people need to not assume that everyone's the same and feels the same way because something that may be so normal for one person is not what another person is experiencing and you don't know what's going on in their life. So why do people assume? I just don't understand. It's just not, not okay. And I feel like this book really explores that topic of everyone's right to have a choice of what they want to do with their life. And that people shouldn't be able to just say or assume things about you, you know, it's, yeah, I liked how this book explored that. I do too. And I, the part that I guess I liked the most is that May really stood up for herself and she was like, no, that's yeah. not really how the world works. Um, for example, she said, um, they were saying, I've never met a woman who regretted having kids, Emily insisted. And the May's like, well, I have. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, yeah. uh, more sharply than I intended, a lot of women who give babies up for adoption do. Maybe they don't regret their decision to bring a kid into the world, but some might regret needing to make that decision at all. And other women, and women I've met who weren't sure it was worth it, giving up their careers and lives for the whole other path they chose to follow because everyone said they should not because they truly wanted it those women love their kids sure still they sometimes find themselves mourning another life they can never reclaim and what about the women who have kids because it's just what you do then realize they aren't cut out for it well it sort of just is just what you do Emily replied right it's the greatest power we've been given as a woman it's what we're made to do and <laughs> Then she just goes on to say, whether you're religious or not, Emily barreled on, you can't deny the science of pregnancy and childbirth is semi-miraculous and incredibly empowering. It's one thing if a woman can't physically have children, obviously those situations are tragic, but to deny your body its natural right when you're able to have them sounds confused at best. <laughs> I was just That's like- That's so horrible. <laughs> just the whole conversation just made me like sick to my stomach. I'm like, yeah. why is this happening? Like. <laughs> And I also just found it so strange, and we'll probably go into this a little bit more later, but I found it so strange that, you know, she has these strong feelings about how her cousin is so messed up, like the people around her cousin, how they have these views that are just so oppressive, but she still really wants to hang out with her cousin. I'm like, I, I was confused <laughs> by that. Because, I, I mean, I get that she wanted to have her cousin because they have a childhood together, but it was just surprising to me that she didn't, she seemed very strong-willed, so it was surprising that she kind of stuck with her cousin through all of it. 
it was almost like May really wanted to connect with her, but Andrea like had up her boundaries and was like, this is as close to me as you can get. Yeah. That sort of thing. And that was like another red flag that May missed, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. I think overall, I don't enjoy reading books about themes of motherhood as much as a lot of people do. And I don't know why that is for myself personally. I think a lot of times because in thrillers and horror books, it's really sad. And so when a book is really depressing, especially if it deals with abusive mothers or characters like this where they're really pressuring people into having children, it's just a little harder for me to enjoy. But I will say I appreciate them because they they do bring up a lot of topics for discussion. So just pure enjoyment wise, you know, themes of motherhood, I'm not always drawn to, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my favorite part to talk about when I do book discussions, if it's like a thriller, is like the plot twists. In this case, we'll just call them like the manipulation key moments, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, I did break it up into like chunks so we did, can discuss like a little bit at a time. So I'm just going to go through a couple and then we'll chat about it, see what you thought. So the first couple are when Emily and Micah were driving to Andrea's house um, that first time and Henry, their little boy, was acting up. Up, and Emily was making Micah take control of the situation, even though he was the one driving. I thought yeah. that was so strange. And then when they finally arrive at Andrea's estate and she has the Olivia doll and then Truman, the dog, attacks it. And then, of course, when Andrea asks May for her eggs. What what stood out as strange? What did you think about all of that at that point in the story? So pretty much everything stood out to me in this book. Um, everything you mentioned above stood out immediately. Um, and it, part of the reason why I didn't rate it super high is because it was a little predictable. But the whole scene where they were driving, it was so obvious to me that she was manipulating her husband. It was it was so uncomfortable. I imagined myself in that situation, just sitting there. What would I do if this woman and this man were just having this fight and she was trying to control him and make him take control of the baby while he was driving. First of all, I thought of safety. How was this, you know, going to work because he's literally (laughs) driving, but then he kept saying, oh, it's fine. Like, this is great and everything. And the wife kept going, oh, this is how it is. This is normal. This is what husbands (laughs) do. This is their job. So yeah, that was very odd to me. I was immediately confused why the dog just attacked the doll. I don't know, was that ever even explained or was it just a weird moment? Okay. Because I know they had like drugged the dog, right? Well, not drugged it, but like Dramamine or whatever it's called that they put the dog. (laughs) Yeah, medication for the dog. And yeah, they never really explained it, but it was just weird. I wonder if it was just sort of like, a warning sign for the reader or something. Probably, or but we May. didn't need any warning sign. We knew. <laughs> we knew. We really did know. But I was that was really weird to me. And then um, Andrea asking for Maeve's eggs, it was shocking in the way that how could someone ask for this? But also it didn't shock me because it seemed at that point like she was very brainwashed by something. I didn't know at that point that she was necessarily in the cult still, like the original cult. I just thought she's maybe in a new cult or has some residual effects of the cult when she was younger, still kind of in her brain. And that's why she's thinking this way and thinking it's normal and 
okay, I guess, quote unquote, to ask this sort of yeah. thing. And also how she was like, you owe it to me. I thought that was oh, so... That was so- weird and that was so wrong it yeah it was so wrong and so that again it didn't surprise me because I saw that she was really under these weird beliefs for whatever reason but it was it was uh shocking I guess yeah just to imagine someone doing this and getting yeah to that I place. also forgot in the car when May bent over to talk to the boy and she was oh, like yeah. I'm a witch remember that or something that was so hilarious I was like that actually worked and the kid was just traumatized <laughs> that was hilarious that was um, so funny I feel like I've seen people do this before where they like <laughs> lean down and whisper something to the kid and the kid's like scared they're like oh and my god like the big eye saucers like what just happened <laughs> yeah um and then also back to the dog attacking the olivia doll then andrea was kind of like no big deal it was just a doll when she was acting like it was literally her kid and then it gets attacked and ripped to shreds and she's like yeah oh, it's just a doll like no biggie let's go inside and have some drinks i feel like i'm surprised the author did it do something where she had like a breakdown or something over the doll I don't know. That feels more fitting, but I guess, I don't know. It was just the choice of the author not to do that. It was odd, though. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to another set of circumstances. Um, May losing her job. Um, When Ryan's place went up in flames the day that May was supposed to move in with him, May overhears that cryptic conversation on the baby monitor between Emily and her son, Henry. That was super creepy. Um, The doll discard room. And then she points out that a lot of them were boys. The um, missing medication, the bath with the wine, and Emily stabbing the dolls. And then herself, plot twist. I was like, whoa! Yeah, that one was the plot twist that shocked me the most, actually. I was shook. <laughs> so what did you think about all of those? Like, the all the manipulation? Oh, so many things to say. All right, so when she lost her job because her boss was a total jerk, that made me so mad because I know this happens all the time to women in these corporate... I mean, just in general, but in these corporate environments. If they, you know, reject the advances of someone, then it affects their job and their career and their reputation. So that was so, so sad. And the fact that, you know, he held it against her because he thought she owed him something. So sad. So that was very frustrating to hear. And also it was so sad because that made it where she was in a position where she had to rely on someone else. And she's independent. You know, she wants to be independent. And that took away some of her independence. And it was a step in getting her to be stuck at Andrea's house. So um, also when Ryan's place went up in flames, I just knew that they were involved because of their reaction. It was a totally staged reaction. It was totally off from the beginning. And it was obvious to me that they wanted to keep her isolated and close and so so that they were able to manipulate her and this is the part that I was sort of really surprised that she didn't catch on to because it did seem so suspicious just in the way they were acting about it I don't know but I guess she was in she was grieving so maybe that's part of it maybe the author thought or maybe that was the rationale behind the story that she didn't notice the 
warning signs. Um, I, I felt like she ignored or didn't see a lot of the obvious red flags because she was trying to feel loved and accepted by her cousin. And she probably just had blinders on. But this this aspect of the story made it a little bit more unrealistic. So I feel like if somebody really wants a book that that's very realistic feeling, they might get frustrated in this one. Kind of like how a lot of people got frustrated with survive the night because they wanted to like yell at the main character. Why are you making these decisions? I feel like this book would really have that kind of element for certain people. If that's something that really bothers. Yes. Yes. That's a good, that's yeah. Survive the night by Riley Sager. Yeah. If you're frustrated (laughs) with that main character, you're going to be frustrated with this main character that's a good that's a good comparison yeah um so the bath with the wine was very suspicious I knew something sketchy was happening I knew that she was being drugged because of how the writing was how she felt super disoriented and then how she just blacked out um and then like you said I was really shocked that Emily actually stabbed herself that was very shocking to me and I thought that that was probably the most tense scene of the whole book or one of them for yeah, sure for sure yeah yeah I agree with you that man I just looking back at it it just gets like more frustrating that she didn't see these things but yeah. like you said I think she had the blinders on she just wanted to be loved but also it just goes back to her asking for the eggs and then her immediately being over it like she was so pissed she was like no you owe me your yeah. eggs and you know offered to pay her a million dollars like obviously showing that she really wanted those eggs because they looked similar and the baby would supposedly look like her and her husband <laughs> Um, and then like just the next day she's like, why don't you just come on? But you lost your job. No problem. Just yeah. come live with me. And like, hello, that just doesn't No, You don't get offered a million dollars, turn it down. And then the next day conveniently lose your job. Yeah. The whole conveniently <laughs> losing the job thing too. I mean, they would, I feel like they were involved in that too. They had to have been. For sure. I mean, For I know sure. that that kind of thing happens all the time, mm-hmm. but also they probably, I don't know what they did because it, it was never talked about. Maybe money. I almost maybe. feel like that Andrea knew where May was before she initially contacted her. Because how do you oh. contact a family? Me- like, it's just a theory. But how do you contact a family member, literally meet them for drinks one night, invite them to your house the next night and be like, can I have your eggs? Yeah, you're right. I bet you're right. That's a good theory because it, everything was too planned out for how short of a time. Well, did they really say how long this took place over this book? Um, They didn't. They didn't really make it clear. But I know that, you know, when they when she left, she was like, I think, like eight years old when she left the cult. And now she's like upper 20s, lower 30s, like age wise. So, I mean, it had been years, but I just find it strange because she had her baby she had Olivia you know her child and then her child died and then all of a sudden her child just recently died and all of a sudden there's a match on the DNA like and I'm just putting this together now yeah (laughs) yeah like yeah and also they have a ton of money it seems like they would have infinite resources to be able to find May feel like yeah this whole the whole culty element was maybe why she was like it needs to be done this way to be 
X, Y, and Z, you know, maybe. Okay, so what about Tyler? The whole thing with Tyler, him not knowing stuff about May that apparently Andrea told him. I thought that was super weird. The bait and switch during the sex, I would, I knew it was happening. I knew, yeah. like, you don't blindfold, like, you know, handcuff them, blindfold them, and be like, oh, I'll be right back. Like, right. <laughs> no, no, no. But also, like, him being married and, and him trying to tell May what was going on and then his death. The toilet pregnancy test was oh my so God. ridiculous. I was like, what the heck? Um, Andrea being the head of the Mother Collective, the placenta feeding. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Micah was found dead in the secret passages. So they toured the secret passages, but, like, May didn't even want to go in there. But supposedly there was an accident with Emily or something. And then May went after her. And then it was never explored again until this scene. Um, and then, like, she escaped Rob because she slits his throat. I was so happy. I was yeah. like, yes, do it. And she went downstairs. And the women were mutilating the bodies of the policemen tearing them apart with their bare hands that was so i was not expecting that no i was not expecting that and then finally the reveal of may escaping the cult and the boy being thrown from the vehicle that was so sad okay so i know it's a lot to talk about what did you think yeah no so many good points just plot points okay so I was actually really surprised that Tyler was married I don't know why I was so surprised but I just didn't even suspect that um even when he said I guess I suspected maybe he was seeing someone else when he didn't want to bring her back to his house but, but that the was fact, even later so yeah right but the fact that he was straight up married and had children or a child really shocked me mm-hmm. um so I like that plot twist because I really didn't see it coming. And I, this is what I'll say, though. I was bummed that he was killed off so soon because I would have liked to hear a conversation of him revealing everything that Andrea told him slash how they convinced him to seduce Maeve. Because I know, you know, it was for the money, but I, I would have liked to hear what he wanted to tell her before he was killed off. Maybe there was a reason their family really needed money. Like maybe the child had like an illness or something that he needed medical care or he or she, uh, you know, that the child needed medical care or maybe, I, I don't know. I just, I wanted to know. I was very, very curious about and also how, how did she down. pitch it? Like, I'll pay you a right. million dollars if you seduce her and tie her up. And then my husband comes in and has sex with her. Like, how does that conversation go? Right, right. Exactly. Like I needed to know. Um, and it, if I'm remembering right, in the text, he made it sound like really important for his family. Like, whatever, it wasn't just, I feel like having a million dollars. I mean, maybe, but it, yeah. I just got the vibe that there was something more there. Um, like, was it his business was in trouble or something? Because he owned that bar, which I also thought was like, I think he, it was like a bar slash oh, right. restaurant, like slash thing. Was it in trouble or something? But yeah. Maybe. But still, like, if someone propositions you, like, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you do this to a stranger, a normal person is not going to say yes. Right, So something was wrong with that whole situation. Right. I don't care how desperate you are, a normal person is not going to do the things that he did to her. (laughs) No, exactly. Exactly. And he was like, I didn't know it would go this far. Like, I wonder if they even, like, told him up front that he would be 
seducing and then leaving the room so someone could have sex with her. Like, I wonder if they just said seduce her and then he was already like in the job and then they're like, oh, you agreed to this, blah, 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 blah. And like threatened. Like, I just need, I wanted to know. I really, truly did. But oh, well, (laughs) we don't know. We can only guess. Um, I wasn't surprised that Andrea was the head of the Mother Collective. It made a lot of sense to me, but I liked that plot point. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, the placenta feeding made me feel very nauseous, disgusting, oh, and the fact that she just... All of them were watching. <laughs> I know, and the fact that she had to go along with it and just try mm-hmm. to, like, choke it down. Ugh. Oh, like, just thinking about that makes me... I am not good with, like, gross, like, food, eating stuff, like... Yeah. If they ever make a movie of this, yikes. That I know, scene. exactly. Yikes it's is the gross. right word. <laughs> um, I... I felt bad for Micah when they found him. I felt like he was manipulated, like Maeve mm-hmm. as well. I definitely feel like there was a backstory with that. Yeah, um, he was brainwashed for sure. Right. And then the part where the women were mutu- mutilating the bodies of the policemen was probably the most gruesome part, just because it was described as them using their bare hands. Mm-hmm. How does that? I mean, work? it was like <laughs> I know I didn't even understand. Like I imagine, like she just slit the guy's throat. She yeah. finds Micah and she comes downstairs and she sees like this pack of women on these police officers ripping them limb by limb. Like <laughs> that is so disturbing to me to think about how that's even possible. Like, I know, like, how somehow, do you do that? I guess it's because it's a communal effort, but, like, I don't need to be imagining <laughs> that. But also, I kind of love that it was in here because it made it so creepy. And I feel like if this was ever made a movie, that would be really, like, visually oh, disturbing, man. but look, quote-unquote, good. You know, like, yeah. it, would be, it would transfer to a horror movie well. A lot of the stuff in here almost felt, I'm just thinking of this now, almost felt a little bit more, like, screenplay-ish because I feel like this would just transfer well to a movie with the atmosphere. They could have played into it more without even having dialogue. You know how in books it has to be described more, but in a movie you just see it. So I feel like that could be played out in a show or a movie really well for this. Now we're towards the end of the book. May is pregnant with the twins, which I thought I was so happy for her but also like scared for her because I know she had expressed like not wanting to be a mother and not knowing how to go about that and I feel like we were still learning a little bit about her backstory and stuff um and then she was going to give them up for adoption but she changed her mind about the adoption I was shocked I was like oh so she's she's keeping them okay yeah actually it was just the FBI thing yeah um so that andrea would come out of hiding that really shocked me um and then the epilogue the seven years later married (laughs) meeting up with her girls that she actually did give up for adoption and they sing that creepy little song (laughs) and and then celeste gives her that like crooked smile asking about may's news like is it a boy or a girl? You know, and she goes, I just knew you'd come around to motherhood one day. It really is the only path, don't you think? Because I was a little worried that it was going to kind of like try to tie it up in a little bow at the end. Yeah. And I was like, no, you can't do that with this story. And I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, no. And I, I really like what you were saying at the end, how they didn't tie it up in a bow. And the fact that whenever there's a book or a movie with cult elements, I love how it shows how cults 
are, you know, everywhere. Like somebody who could just seem totally, completely normal could be in this cult and you would never guess it. And that makes me so paranoid. Just like walking outside. I'm like, so who's in a cult? Like just like going in the grocery store, like who of you can I trust? Um, Yeah. So I liked that she kept the twins to catch Andrea. I really enjoyed that. It surprised me. Like you said, I was really shocked. I kind of thought the story would just end there. Like her giving the twins away and then that was kind of it. But I, I like that it didn't. And the epilogue was super chilling. Like you said, I didn't see it coming, but it makes sense because of the nature of cults. So I enjoyed that. I will say I really was happy that she was married and seemed to be with a really great person that made me happy because I know she had kind of that fear of being with a partner, you know, in, in like a committed married situation and I I was happy for her that she found that yeah me too because like she had that one relationship with Ryan the bartender it was really just like a sex thing and then she was desperate to find a place so she was like okay I'll move in with him and she knew she didn't love him but then Tyler she started actually like opening herself up and then she found out he was married and then you think like after like two heartbreaks like back to back like that you're thinking like oh is she ever gonna have hope again and then she did so I was really happy about that yeah um, same. yeah like I said I loved the ending it was my favorite part But any final thoughts, anything that could have made it better or anything else you want to touch on? Yeah, so this book had a really intriguing premise and I was interested throughout it. I did see most everything coming. I know I've said this a lot, so (laughs) I apologize, but I did see most everything coming, um, which is kind of surprising for me because I don't usually predict plot twists or I'm, I'm just not the best at seeing it. But this one, I saw pretty much everything from the beginning that Maeve was being manipulated and something was deeply wrong with Andrea. Um, Maeve was also a little bit frustrating at times since there were so many obvious warning signs that she ignored, which made the story a little bit less believable, um, especially after being asked to give her eggs and being so hurt by Andrea and her just kind of bouncing back pretty fast to having a relationship with her which I did think was a bit odd. I get it, though. She had her blinders up. She wanted kind of that, you know, relationship with her cousin. And I really enjoyed the parts of the story that focused on the dolls because I thought they were very unsettling and eerie. And I would have loved hearing a little bit more about the dolls and the secret passageways and everything and just the setting in general. And I wanted more scenes that involved the gothic and isolated atmosphere because I just felt like, you know, it could have been explored a little bit more. But I overall had a really enjoyable time reading this. It was pretty fast paced. I mean, it's medium paced. But for me, you know, I was able to get through it really fast because, like you said, it's shorter. And I enjoyed the audiobook narrator. I listened on audiobook and followed along as well. So nice. Um, Like like we've said so much, there were so many red flags and manipulation tactics in this book. And I was so sad to see May get taken advantage of in those moments um, because like, she Andrea was her only family left like she was in a cult the cult was disbanded you know put behind bars or you know whatever and she had searched for family forever and Andrea was all that was left so I think that is why she very clearly you know she didn't have a significant other that she felt a strong attachment to so when Andrea came along she put all of her eggs in that one basket so she was kind of just like along for the ride I wish she would have felt harder to see what was going on around her but I also think that it was believed to feel safe with a member of your family and not think that they were going to be manipulating you in that way. 
Um, however, there were so many instances that it was just like one thing after the other, the losing the job, Ryan's death, her medicine going missing, blacking out or missing moments of time. The whole thing with Tyler, the smaller moments like Andrea snatching her phone away, um, in order, you know, like, so she couldn't get those messages from Tyler and stuff like that. Um, and then May would say that she needs to get her life in order and go home. And then Andrea would say, no, this is your home. Like things like that. When a string of bad things happen, you sort of need to like look around. Take, right. you know, <laughs> take control of like things around you. Like look around what's changed, what's different. And I wish that she would have been able to do that and she would have figured out you know, I mean, of course, there wouldn't have been a story if she did it. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of just makes you feel like, I don't know, like, these are women. And with the motherhood themes, you're like, you want to have smart women in books like this at the same time. And she just seemed like oblivious. Um, yeah. And I wanted her to be more aware of her surroundings. The biggest drawback of the story for me were the sex scenes. And I know we didn't really touch on it because they felt so weird in the story and so out of place in the story and I'm not talking about like the bath wine scene right. I'm not talking about the bait and switch when I'm talking right. about like when she's having sex with Ryan like back at her apartment and how she like likes it rough I'm like okay girl you do you but like I don't need to know that like and I thought it was gonna like tie into something that happened to her in the past in the cult or something like that and I don't ever feel like it did no it didn't yeah okay I was gonna say that too it did feel really weird it felt weird because like you said it didn't seem to relate to the story at all and this story was so plot driven and you didn't really get any not any but you didn't get much character development so it felt odd to have those scenes and then have them like never explored again they kind of felt meaningless in the story. And like you said, they were kind of graphic. So it was just kind of like... <laughs> they were oh, very graphic. It didn't really fit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think a fade to black moment would have been okay. But yeah, it went a little bit... You know, you <laughs> this is like a dark romance scene, you know? And I just... Yeah. I feel like I am going to have a harder time recommending this book to people like, as a horror, as a thriller, like, for my other friends that, like, don't read romance for this specific reason, as there was these weird things, I'm like, maybe I need to tab out the pages and, like, don't read page, whatever, no, yeah. <laughs> whatever. But I feel like, it, I don't know why that wasn't cut. That should have been cut, in my opinion. Yeah. It could have mm -hmm. been a fade to black thing, but I don't even know why it even went there to begin with. So that yeah. was really the, like, a major drawback for me. But what was your rating, and how did you enjoy the book overall? Yeah, so I think I'm settling on three stars, which isn't actually sometimes three stars people think of as like a harsh rating. That's not really a harsh rating for me. I usually enjoy my three star books. I think this had some really strong parts I loved. I did want it to be a little less predictable, at least. Um, and I wanted some of the more gothic vibes and more creepy scenes in the house. And like, like we said before, I think the sex scenes were a little out of place. It kind of just took me out of the story a little bit. But now that we've been talking about it more, I do think there were so many strong scenes in it too. So maybe I'll bump it up to in the three and a half star. I don't know. I rated it four stars. And I think it's like a very 
strong four stars. And I do think three stars is like a good rating as well. So I agree with you there. Um, I was very close to giving it a full five stars, but like I said, the sex scenes really didn't fit the vibe. So I took off a star for that and May's lack of self-awareness. Um, but overall yeah. super creepy and I'm really looking forward to what Heltzel does next. All right, so that concludes our discussion of Just Like Mother by Anne Heltzel. Thank you for reading and discussing it with me. Um, that's my favorite part of discussing books is it does make you think of things that you wouldn't normally think of yourself. And you're like, oh, yeah, what about that? So that's my yeah. favorite part. It's always nice to get another perspective and have a friend to talk about a book with. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Your podcast is awesome. You're awesome. And I'm just honored that you asked me to be here. So thank you so much. Talk Focus to Me is a bi-weekly podcast bringing you book discussions, recommendations, and literary topics galore. Follow me on Instagram at TalkBookishPodcast. Rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Also, the link for Patreon is in the show notes, along with the links for Sav's social media, her book club, and the signature smoothie recipe. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs> <laughs>